It is an expression of worship to you. God, we see it in Genesis. We see it throughout your word. God, that when we bring you our first 10% of our income, it's our way of saying our life is yours. We're not holding on to our life. We don't uh, pretend to have full control of our life. We know that we're here on this earth, that we're breathing air because of you. You're our creator, our designer. God, you're our savior. You saved us by sending your son, Jesus. And so, Father, I thank you that we get to trust you in this way. God, that you have promised us to be our Abba Father, to take care of us. So I just pray that blessing, God, in the book of James, that every cheerful giver will just be so abundantly blessed. And everyone agreed with that? Say amen. Amen. Um, again, on your way out, the ushers are going to be handing you this life group uh, flyer. So you can get that on the website. But um, I want to just kind of let you know, this is an answer to prayer because uh, we, we went from eight life groups to 12. And I don't know if you remember, then we had a big prayer to go to 14. And then we had a prayer. Now we're going, now we have 16 life groups. Come on, can we praise God for 16 life groups? That's people saying, I'm committed to community. I'm committed to doing church the way the early church did, the book of Acts, where we meet in each other's homes and we, we break bread together. So that, that just made me so pumped when I was talking with Pastor Dave about the life groups that are starting. So be sure to check those out. Hey, we're going to get into the sermon now. Um, there is a, a series that we're doing right now called Launch and Don't Look Back. Launch and Don't Look Back. Um, this is a, a month-long series, and I just want to say, like, Again, Jesse, great job. She, she kicked it off with this idea that we can't launch into what God has for us unless we surrender, unless we let his love change us on the inside out. Amen? But what happens when we, we give our hearts to God and now we're serving in the kingdom, or now rather we're in the kingdom for a while, and we're starting to wonder, does God have something specific for me? And we're going to talk about that a lot uh, today. In the next two weeks, uh, in fact, next week and the week after, you'll be given again our, our booklet we gave you three years ago about our 10-year mission to transform Trumbull. Because here's the thing, like Jesse said, we need each other. It takes all of us to see a city changed by the gospel. That was a perfect spot for an amen. It takes all of us, right? Um, it takes all of us to see God and his love start to change people where it's not just doing church and doing life like we've always done it. I don't know about you, but when I read the Gospels, Jesus is always healing people. When I read the book of Acts, there's crippled people stretching out their hands. There's blind eyes opening. How many believe that? Right? So I want to see God do that. But before God does that, he asks us to believe that he can do that. So a, a subtitle to this, I've got like five subtitles today. Subtitle of this could be to think and imagine what God can do if you fully, if you fully surrender. On February 19, 1519, the Spanish explorer Hernan Cortez set sail for Veracruz, Mexico with an entourage of 11 ships, 13 horses, 110 sailors, 550 soldiers. The indigenous population upon his arrival was approximately 5 million. From a purely mathematical standpoint, the odds were stacked against them 7,541 to 1. Two previous expeditions had totally failed in establishing this new world. Yet Cortez conquered much of the South American continent 
And what Cortez is reported to have done is this epic tale, right, of mythic proportions, something you would see in a movie. After they arrived, he turned around and made an order to his men, an all-or-nothing proposition. He said, burn the ships. Everybody just raise your eyebrows. How many think, if you're a soldier and you just arrived and you know you are way outnumbered and your leader says, burn the ships, Make it so there's no way we can go back. How many would say, I would get a little scared? Come on. You start to see people putting their hands like this, going like this, our leader's crazy. His crew watched their fleet of ships burn and sink into the ocean. Retreat was not an option. Plan B often happens when plan A is too risky. But what you have to understand is the reason plan A people accept what God has given them and do it is because there is no plan B. It's do it or die, right? I remember being in Bible college. I remember when um, Michael Brown, have you guys ever heard of Michael Brown? He has this podcast called Ask Dr. Brown. Yeah, a number of you. He's really intense, and I'd be preaching. I would think I'm committed to Christ, you know, and I, I committed to Christ, but he'd sit, he would come up and say, if you're not ready to die for the gospel, you don't know what you're living for. I'm like, oh, that was a little intense. But the more he said it, the more the Holy Spirit started to burn my heart and realize he's right. And Jesus had this all or nothing proposition too. There are moments in life Guys, when we have to burn the ships, in fact, we often don't step into God's plan A because we keep plan B as an option. You know what I mean? But faith always requires action. Say that last part with me out loud. Faith always requires action. And because I can't preach for two hours, just write down Hebrews 11. And uh, you can look that up and study that later. But faith always requires action. You can burn the ship of bad habit. You can burn the ship of regret. You can burn the ship of guilt. You can call that, that ship my old way of life. And what I find in my counseling, I'm meeting someone, whether it's at Panera or Top Notch or in my office, and so often believers are torn. They're in the church and they do love God but they also love their addiction. Can I talk to you this morning? They love God and they're thankful that God has begun to change them and renew their mind, but they also love their old way of life. But what God has to do is burn in you a desire that is so passionate about pleasing him that there is no plan B. Come on, there is no plan B. It's God, I'm committed to serve you. In fact, I have this personal, personal belief that when you are saved, you're so committed to God that if God were to tell you next month, hey, we're actually supposed to be missionaries, I want you to be a missionary to China, that you would actually consider it. That's what a Christian means to me, a disciple. Somebody who says, whatever you want me to do. Guys, okay? Everybody just pull your toes in. I know, it's intense this morning. Just, just pull your toes in. Franklin, I see that. Just pull your toes in, right? Franklin said, come on, preach. He put his toes out. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians 3. And I think we're going to have a great time today 
looking at what God can do. Philippians 3. This is my dad's life verse. He would preach and do staff devos on this often. Brothers, I do not consider myself perfect, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, strain towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That's a good verse. I forget what's behind. And I know part of what Paul said there, at least part of what I believe Paul was saying there, was not just past mistakes, guys, but past successes. I don't know about you, but I've been in those, those worship services. I've, I've traveled for a while. I was part-time here as a youth pastor, uh, or part-time when I went to, to be worship pastor, and I stepped down from a youth pastor. And I traveled to a lot of churches. And every now and then, you would have a church that was so excited about what God did 80 years ago. I remember back then when we had that. You know what I mean? I remember back then when, you know, and Sister Susie was on the organ, and that's the only way to do worship. I've been in those meetings, and I'm like, I'm the guitar player. I'm the guest. I don't feel very welcome right now. <laughs> no, only a couple times, though, but here's what happens. We can get in this routine, right? And we can say, well, here's the way God used to work in my life, or here's the way God used to work in the local church, and that's what it used to look like, and that's the only way it can work. But how many believe that the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm doing a new thing? He says, I'm doing a new thing. Habakkuk 2.2, he says, hey, I'm giving you a vision. Write it down and make it clear and run with it. Strain ahead to what's ahead of you. And here's the thing, you can't get to where you're going unless you're looking ahead. Has anybody ever driven to Disneyland looking in the rearview mirror? You would get in an accident. Right? Or you do what my wife did. One time she, her car rear-ended my car. It was a great day. It was awesome. Have you guys ever heard that story? You guys love my ADD. You guys want to hear a story? Come on, who wants to hear a story of marriage embarrassment? Don't get that excited. <laughs> this guy's like, we're right in front of that little Mexican restaurant in Cortland, you know? I'm just pleasantly driving, and then boom, my car gets hit. And I'm thinking, like, you know, you know how your mind works, like, really fast? I'm thinking, my wife is behind. I look in the rearview mirror, she goes, oh. <laughs> just like that. Just, <laughs> And I got out, I'm like, whose insurance do we call? Because it's the same, you know? She's like, I'm sorry. I'm like, you're lucky you're so cute. All right. That did not help the sermon. Sorry. Look at 1 Kings 19. You got to look ahead. All right? You can't, you can't look at the laundromat <laughs> or the Mexican restaurant or the rearview mirror. You got to look ahead. Everybody say, look ahead. All right, 1 Kings 19. So he departed there and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. And he was with the 12th. Elijah, now by the way, that's the man of God, that's the voice of God, he's the prophet at the time. He passed by him and he cast his cloak upon him. He left the oxen, ran after Elijah, and Elisha said, let me kiss my father and mother and then I will follow you. And he said, go back, 
for what I have done to you? Are you like, go back? He returned from following them. He took the yoke of oxen. He sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of oxen and gave it to the people and they ate it. Then he arose and he went after Elijah. I almost called this sermon, burn the plow and kill the cow, baby. Right? Turn to your neighbor or your wife or a random stranger and say, burn the cow or burn the plow. <laughs> Don't burn the cow. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> burn the plow. Come on, don't be too cool for school. Turn to your friend, say, burn the plow, kill the cow. Some of you are like, I am too religious to say that. Get over it. Stand up. Stand up. You got to let God speak to you right now. Stand up. Turn to your neighbor or a random person, your spouse, whoever. Say, look him in the eyes. Say, he's not playing. Burn the plow and kill the cow. All right, now you got to sit down. Now, I know, I know it's kind of funny, but to me, that's intense. Is that intense to everyone else? That's his livelihood. That's his income. Guys, I've met people on the road in ministry where I know they're called to ministry. And I'll go up and prophesy to them and I'll say, hey, I think you're called to ministry. I think whatever you're doing right now, you should not be doing it. Instantly tears. Do you know why? The call of God will never leave you. And when you hold on to plan B, you're like, but this is more safe. You don't step in to plan A. Amen? Elijah put his coat on Elisha. And Elisha left no option for plan B. I love that. It was all or nothing. You see, burning that plowing equipment, killing the cow, dicing it up and making soup is pretty intense. It's saying, I'm not going back to my old way of life. And maybe you're struggling with an addiction and I want to encourage with you, I want to encourage you. There's times when you'll hear guys, you'll meet with guys and you know, they're dealing with this or that, but they won't step into a teen challenge because they say, I was there two days, it was too hard. I'm saying, well, then you don't want victory. Then you don't want set free. Right? And you've got to say no to the sin and no to the past and no to even your old way of thinking and let the Holy Spirit renew your mind. Come on, right? And step into what God has for you. Luke 9 says, is that just Old Testament? Look at Luke 9. Verse 57, as they're going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, hey, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He, he was being honest with him. He said, hey, guys, there's no Airbnb. There's no Verbo around here. Like, there's times when we are not going to be welcome. There's time when we're going to go into a city and it's really, it's dominated by the religious elite. We're not going to get a hotel room and we're going to sleep under the stars. Right? He said, follow me. And the man said, well, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. Come on, somebody say, that's intense. Right? But as for you, proclaim the kingdom of God. Another one said, I will follow you, but let me first go say farewell to my home. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. 
Come on, right? I think part of what God has been doing since March of 2020 is purifying the bride. You know what I'm saying? I think part of what God has been doing in the earth, people are realizing, am I really in this? Am I committed to the glory of Jesus and to the gospel? Am I all in or not? And God, here's the thing, you miss out on joy when you're not all in. Let me say that again. There are so, we're going to talk about this a lot next week. You miss out on joy when you're double-minded. You know, when you say, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and, and, you, and you oscillate. Don't look back, Jesus says, kill the cow and burn the plow. Take away the option to go back to that old life. I want to say this again. Faith always involves action. You say, I feel like God is calling me to pray for people. I've had two people prophesy to me that, and this is, I'm just making this up, but if you say two people have prophesied to me that I'm, I'm going to heal the sick, that there's a healing gift on my life, and I have, I have to ask you, are you praying for people? When you're at Walgreens, when you're at Aldi, when and you see someone, pray for them. It takes action. We partner with God's miraculous power. We always partner with God's miraculous power. Faith, I want to say this one more time, always involves action. You know, John 14, I won't read the whole thing right now, but he says this. Jesus is one of my favorite passages. He says, you will do even greater. When you believe in me, he says, I'm going to live in you just like the Father lives in me, and we're going to be one, and you're going to do even greater things. Now, how many of you guys know Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? Who knows that? Jesus healed blind eyes. I don't know about you, but I want to see that. Right? Jesus took people who were broken and despondent, absolutely just bound by depression, sitting at the pool of Bethesda, waiting, thinking there's no hope, and he set them free and he gave them hope. He gave them purpose. He gave them joy. And God is still doing that. And I want to encourage you, he does that through people. Through you. So there's a couple ways that I'm challenging you this morning. There's a few ways. One, to leave the past behind. Leave the old way of thinking. Number two, pray for the sick. Believe that God is going to do something miraculous in your life. And you're all going into different seasons. I think about those that are graduating. I think about Elena. I think about Jack. Right? You guys are about to graduate or you just graduated. You're in this new season. Right? And now there's going to be opportunities. There's going to be people that Jack meets that I don't meet. I don't know why I'm picking on you, Jack. God's got something for you today. There's going to be encounters with God that he wants to work through you. Through you. But we have to say no to fear. We have to say no to our old way of thinking and say yes to God. Every morning saying yes to God. So let me put this on the screen. The first way, I want to invite you to cut ties with your past sinful habits. There's times when I'm counseling a, a young person and they're telling me this, this issue that they're dealing with. And I, it's the same issue they dealt with last year. And I said, well, who's your friends? And if you don't let go of some of those old friends that always take you down, come on, you'll go right back into your old habits. 
And there, God has to sometimes allow us to step out of a relationship that's wrong. Even if they're a Christian, even if they ch- go to church, but every time you're around them, you find yourself compromising like the way you used to, that's a relationship you should probably steer away from. Somebody say amen. You see what I'm saying? You've got to change what you're doing. Again, the second way is pray for the sick. Believe God can do anything. And the third way, this is going to be really fun. I love this topic, is let God anoint your imagination. Some of you have ideas. Sometimes God speaks to you in a dream. I've had probably 10 or 15 people tell me in just the last month at Rock of Grace about God speaking to them in their dream life. And our, our last prayer night, God had made that clear. I want you to know God can do a new thing in your life. And Lauren, I keep wanting to pray for you today. Like the middle, the whole time I'm preaching, I just keep feeling like I'm supposed to share a word with you. Can you guys reach your hands towards Lauren? I just sense this Abraham anointing on your life. And I really feel that, that anointing of prophecy on me right now. Lauren, there's an Abraham-like anointing on your life. It has to do with your children. Actually, man, I look around. Oh, that's so cool. I see Jim and Farah here. This is so cool. There is an Abraham-like anointing where you and Barb, you prayed for your kids. You taught them, and now they're living for you. I see Nick, I see your grandkids. It is, it's powerful. And God is saying, I am blessing you, Lauren. I'm blessing you. I'm blessing you. I'm blessing you. God says, I am blessing you tenfold. I feel like you, like Solomon, you asked for wisdom. Lord says, there was many times when you were up early, very early at your dining table. Uh, with your with your Bible. I can just see it in my mind's eye. And you were asking God for wisdom, how to please him. And God says, like Solomon, I'm blessing you not only with wisdom, but with wealth. Come on, stretch your hands towards him. Say, God, I bless him. Seal this word, Lord. I, I thank you for what you're gonna do in the Hopkins household in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. It's so cool. A couple days ago, a friend... Um, I shared a word that was a little bit similar to that with, he called me, he said, do you remember this word you shared about blessing? Now watch out. And he told me, he's like, I got two checks. And they were, let's just say they were big. I was like, oh my gosh, God is blessing you. See, what prophecy does is encourages you to realize God is the blesser. God. It's God who blesses you. You are needed in the kingdom of God. You are needed in the kingdom of God. And when we say no to the past, we say no to the way I've always done life. I want to tell you about just a few people. I think about Larry and um, Julia Feltz. How many of you guys know the Feltz? Right? Yeah, many of you. They had such a cool moment with God last, it was like last July. I was talking about the Warren campus and how God's going to transform Trumbull and there's this guy named Pastor Andrew coming. Well, they come up to me, and they're kind of teary-eyed, and they're like, God has told us we're, we're going to go, and we're going to serve in Warren. And I think it was the only time in my life when I actually discouraged. Uh, I, was like, I was like, you know, you haven't even met him yet. Let's just give it some time. <laughs> and then Larry goes, we're going. I was like, okay, awesome. What that means is God is speaking to you, right? And they have been so, so helpful. It turns out they have these multiple gifts. I didn't know she could play piano. I didn't know because she could sing. 
I didn't know all the construction, the different things that he, there's so many gifts in you that when you step out and you say, yes, Lord, there's a joy that comes on your face that was not there before. Right? Do you guys know Josh Moran? Who knows Josh Moran? He's like 200 pounds of pure muscle. Come on, he could break me like a toothpick. Anybody? Seen Josh Moran? He heard me say, hey, we need a drummer. And he walks up to me. He's like, you know, I don't play drums, but I'm going to try. I'm like, oh, Lord, this is going to be an interesting audition, you know. And next thing you know, he's playing. I was like, you have a natural gift. It's, um, it's, it's awesome. And he's doing it. I think about Ray. I think about his wife. Not just with sound, but with communions, people serving, saying yes to God and no to maybe a, a prior way of thinking or doing life or doing church. Saying, yes, Lord, I'm needed in the kingdom. Turn to your neighbor say, I'm needed. But you first, first have to think and imagine. Everybody just put your hand on your head. Put it right here. A lot of times we're limited by these thoughts right here, what God wants to do in us. Right? We have this old way of thinking. So we see an opportunity to do something for the Lord and instantly thoughts. Is anybody else like me? Thoughts of maybe a coach or a parent or somebody who discouraged you 10 years ago or 30 years ago. And then you start to believe the lies of Satan and you just stay right where you are. Everybody know what I'm talking about. Hopefully it's not just me. Everybody's nod. Just give me at least like a Baptist nod, you know. You don't got to go full Pentecostal. Just give me like a Methodist. You, thank you. Thank you. You can't stop Rita from being Pentecostal. She's like. Come on, if you're like me, you have, Satan will say, yeah, but remember what you did when you were 17. Right? And for some reason we believe it. And we say, yeah, you're right. That, that's my old way. No, that's called Shame. Shame keeps you where you are. Shame says stay right here. Do not, God is not going to use your life and God, you're, you're always going to be this way. No, but the lie, the lie of shame says stay right there. But the hope of God comes when you see that everything Jesus did on the cross, he did to liberate you. To liberate you from your old way of thinking and to step into the new. And God can do anything with your life. Anything with your life. I have so many stories I want to tell right now. I'm trying to think of which, which one I should tell, but my personal life. But I'm going to skip some of those, and I'm just going to I'm just going to tell you. Think about, think about the Wright brothers. We just close your eyes for a second. Just close your eyes. Think about these two brothers, and one is saying to the other, "I think we can fly," and his brother's like, "Wilbur, you're an idiot." Come on, everybody, right, look up here. How many say, if you're the brother and your brother says, we're going to build a machine that's going to fly. Now, right now, you're like, oh, yeah, it's called Southwest. You have to realize there's no Southwest. There's no United. Un, totally not done, not possible. But then they started to think, what if, what if? I think of the testimonies, I think of the times when I've been watching, a, listening to a podcast or at a conference and you hear a story of somebody starting a ministry, starting an orphanage or starting uh, a ministry to special needs and then it just grew and how they're blessing their community. 
or planting a church and the salvations. And it all starts with right here. Yes, God can do something with my life. Turn to your neighbor, say, prophesy to him, say, God can do something with your life. Last night I was praying for Lukey, and I pray this prayer often in, in the last week or two. I think every night he's got these stars on his ceiling. You know the, the fake ones? Any other parents have? Yeah. And for like the last few months, I'm like, look at those stars. And then it hit me about a week or two ago. I, I said, I've been praying out loud, God, make Lucas like Abraham. When he sees the stars, he's reminded of the promise. You know what hit me between the eyes this last week? I'm reading the promise of Abraham. I'm going to go a little bit off script. Lonnie's like, you're killing me, Pastor Jordan. You're on slide 17 of 25. This last week, I'm, I'm looking at Abraham, and you know God is so smart. How many? I know you know that, but come on. He's so smart. Paul, think about this. He gives Abraham a promise, but listen how he says it. Abraham, let's leave your tent, and I want you to look up to the stars. You're going to have as many children as the stars. That actually sounds like my household, come to think of it. There's a, there's a lot. But he's like, you're going to have that many offspring. And Abraham's like, wow. And guess what the second thing he said? He said, now look at the sand. And you know what hit me? That's what this dude sees Every day. So the next morning, he woke up and he was reminded of the promise of God. He went to bed that night. He looked up. He saw the stars and God said, yep. God gave him a vision board. You guys ever heard of a vision board? You can kind of like write out, right? Okay, Lord, here's here's where I think you want to do in my life. And you you write it down. And I want to encourage you. And this is how we're ending the sermon today. I want to encourage you to think, pray, and write down what God might want to do in your life. Let me say it again. I want to make sure. I'm off the camera. I know. Ryan's going to kill me. But I need to look in their, their pupils. Elijah, are you listening? This is God. No. You got to write down what you think God's about to do in your life. And then revisit it. It's the most powerful advice I've ever been given. My friend Matt Anderson is a, is a mentor, and he said, this is like 10 years ago. He said, you know what I do, Jordan? I write down my prayers to God, and then I put it in bold red if I think God is saying something back to me. It is the cool, it's the coolest thing, because then months later, you go back and you see God fulfilling a promise that he gave you. So I want you this week and don't do it for me, but just for you and your relationship with the Lord. In your prayer time, and some of you, I know you get up at 3 a.m. And so you, 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 know, you open the Bible at night, whenever, whenever your devotional time is. Take a document. For me, it's right on my computer. Some of you, you, you want hand, you know, journal. And say, God, what do you want to do in my life? And you might have a picture. You might see a, a piece of property. You might see an, an iPad in Photoshop. I don't know. Everybody's gifting and calling is different and unique. And I'm not called to do what Carrie's called to do. I'm not called to do what Bill's called to do. And my story's different. And what God's going to do in you is different than me. 
But you have to write it down and say, yeah, that's, that's where it starts, guys. It's faith to believe. I can leave my past way of thinking and say yes to what God has in my life. Amen? I'm going to close with a story. I want you to stand up on your feet, and I want you to look at the screens. There's a couple pictures I want you to see, and it's about a bridge to nowhere. The mysterious bridge to nowhere formerly resided in the Mentor Lagoons. I was on my prayer retreat in Mentor this last uh, week or week and a half ago, and I was looking at some history books and just trying to clear my mind and just looking at the, and I see this bridge to nowhere. So I Googled bridge to nowhere. Weird things that are in Mentor, Ohio. There's a lot of them, by the way. 185 foot long bridge was built in the 1920s by a group of wealthy Clevelanders who were seeking a vacation spot. The bridge was just one of many parts in development plans for the area. The goal was to turn the lagoons into a Venice of the North. When the stock market crashed, though, in 1929, plans to finish the bridge were abandoned, leaving it without approaches on either side. Over the years, the abandonment, the bridge became known as the Bridge to Nowhere. After inspection by the Ohio Historical Society, it was deemed that there was no historical aspects to the bridge, and really it should just be demolished. So it was demolished in, in the autumn of 2014. It's reduced to nothing but a small pile of cement on the shore, serving as a reminder of what could have been. Sadly, this is the picture of many leaders in their teams and many Christians who say, there's a dream in my heart, but I'm too afraid to take that first step. There's a, a, a dream in my heart for a campground a wedding venue, there's a dream in my heart for a flooring business where even my employees are like disciples. And God says, yeah, I'm giving you that dream. There's a dream in my heart to be a counselor. Olivia. There's a dream in my heart to help people through the most difficult issues in their life. There's a dream in my heart to be really good at agriculture and this and that and this and that. There's a dream in my heart. And for some reason, when I look at you, I just saw a bunch of kids. And so thank you, God, for whatever that picture is. Because often it starts like a picture. There's a dream in my heart to whatever it is. And so right now, just close your eyes. And I'm going to be the only one looking around. And as your pastor, I guess I'm just going to do that. <laughs> but close your eyes. And raise your hand if there's something in you that you know, if you said yes to God, Maybe God would start to do that in your life. Raise your hand. Yeah, it's about two-thirds of you. Let me give you another chance. I want to say that again. There's something in your life. There's a picture in your future that you've thought, well, it's different than what I've done before. But maybe that's something God wants to do. I'm not saying it is. What I'm saying is maybe it is. Raise your hand. Yeah, it's about two-thirds of you. Okay, look right here. Guys, that's two-thirds of you. You know what I'm telling you today? Dream again. I'm telling you today, dream again. Because God can do so much more with your life than you think he can do. 
God can do so much more with your life than you think he can do. And a lot of times we limit what God's about to do in our life because we stand on a bridge to nowhere and we say, you know, I can't see what's going to be on the other side. So just, I just, let's just forget it. Or I don't know about the, the contractor and the building that's going to go there. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. So forget it. Do you know what God told Abraham? Start walking. He did not send him an email. You know, I love plans and we make plans. And, but a lot of times we, we don't even start to make a plan because we don't believe that God can do something. I, I want to challenge that today. Would you just open up your hands like this? Because I just want to pray. I want to prophesy over you. I want to tell you, God can do amazing things in your life. God can do miracles. Keith, I keep seeing you, brother, and I keep seeing you praying for guys on the job site. Miracles, Keith, don't, happen, don't have to happen right here at this altar. They can happen right there next to a wall of two-by-fours. There's dreams in you. And I, I prophesy, I speak life. I tell you, God can do it. And in particular, for those that raise your hand and you say, yeah, I do have an idea. I do have something in my future that I know God's taking me to. And let's do this. Let's raise our hand if, you know what, you're kind of afraid of it, how it's going to turn out. Just raise your hand. And that's me. I've been, I've been there. I've been there many times. Right? God, I bless them with faith. I bless them with love. Say, what does love have to do with it? Love has everything to do with it. Because when you realize how loved you are, you're going to take better, uh, be bigger risks. Let me say it again. Your identity and your joy is not wrapped up in the success or the accomplishment of that thing. You're already loved. You're already loved. So let Abba's perfect love drive out fear of failure. Let Abba's perfect love drive out fear of the unknown. And let Abba's perfect love drive out fear of man. Amen? If you're here, I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus. If that first half of that message was resonating with you, you have sin habits in your life. You have things about you that you wish weren't there. You have destructive habits that you know are stopping you. You know it's not what God wants in your life. Jesus Christ can set you free this morning. Jesus Christ gave his life on a cross for you to be free from that sin. With every head bowed, I wanna just ask you, if you wanna give your life to Jesus this morning, if you wanna say, like Jesse said last week, I'm gonna surrender to the law of God. I'm gonna admit my need. If that's you, would you raise your hand? It's awesome, I see that hand. Thank you, man. Yes. Thank you, so cool. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else, give you a minute here. You say, I know I need forgiven of my sin and I need God to make me clean. Can we do this? I love when we all pray together as a family because it reminds us of the day when we gave our heart to Jesus, right? Let's all do this. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for forgiving me of all my sin, my mistakes, my habits. 
Make me new. Make me born again. A new creation. I want to live for your glory. I want to live for your kingdom. I want to build your name, not mine. Use my life. I commit to following you when it's easy and when it's hard. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Can we praise God for two lives giving their hearts to Jesus this morning? Come on, let's lift up a shout. God, we love you. And let's do this. How about this? With, with, with heads up and not bowed. Look around if you feel like, yeah, God was challenging me today. I was challenging myself while I was preaching, guys. Right? Amen. Well, I bless you with a great day, and I'll see you all next week. Bring this army back to life. Mighty warriors who had died. Out of the ashes we will rise. Breathe on us. Bring us life. Come breathe on us. And bring us life. Bring this army back to life. Mighty warriors who had died. 